This is Scott. This is Rebecca. And we're the CEOs of Hardy, Party of Five. And a half. It's not really a company, it just sounds cool. And if you're looking for a normal family, well, you've certainly come to the wrong place. So keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, and let's see where this roller coaster takes us. Hey, Scott. Hey, Rebecca. Why does our house smell like spray paint and adhesive? Well, I would venture to guess it has something to do with church camp coming up. We're going to church camp next week. We are. We're working on costumes. And honestly, it's not as bad as it usually is. Wait, when I say we're working on costume, I mean you're working on costume. Yes, you're giving me ideas and I'm putting Ma- them, you are putting them all together. them to life. And I was just thinking today. What were you I thinking? I was thinking to myself, self, how did I do this when I had three kids at home? Right. Like because- this year I've got Alex who doesn't, he wants one night and really, because each of our nights at camp have a theme night, so we come up with costumes for each. Mm-hmm. Alex doesn't really care. He's he's kind of interested in one of the nights, so I'm doing more for him on that night. Right. And other than that, and I'm thinking, five years ago when we had three kids home, how did I get all this done? How did, and more importantly, how did we get 20 costumes to camp? I don't even know. We... Brought our own vehicle. I yeah, know that for sure. Were they sure. hanging out the windows and stacked <laughs> on the so. hood of the car? Pretty much. I Goodness. think so. Well, it's always a fun time. Yeah. Well, this year I've decided to be very minimal. Uh, clever, but efficient is the motto this year. Well, I appreciate all your hard work. Yeah. It's fun. Most of the time. <laughs> it's a lot of fun when we get there. Yeah. It's super fun when we get there. Honestly, I'm just at work every day and you're making costumes. Right. Yeah. You're getting high on fumes here at the house. I, for one, appreciate all that you do. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking out time to podcast. Well, of course. We have a special guest today. We do, don't we? We do. We have Anita Renfro. She is a comedian and a speaker. I heard about her at church. Obviously, she came and spoke at a women's event that we had at our church. A lot of people have heard about her from Women of Faith. She is also a comedian correspondent for Good Morning America. She's performed at the Grand Ole Opry. She's been on Dr. Phil. She's a busy person. She's been on Inside Edition. But most people... She's everywhere. She's she's everywhere. Right. Most people likely know her from this little song. Get up out of bed, wash your face, brush your teeth, calm your sleepy head. Here's your clothes and your shoes, hear the words I said. Get up now, get up and make your bed. Are you hot, are you cold, are you wearing that? Where's your books and your lunch and your homework at? Grab your coat and your gloves and your scarf and hat. Don't forget, you gotta feed the cat. Eat your breakfast, the experts tell us it's the most important meal of all. Take your vitamins so you will grow up one day to be big and tough. Because remember the orthodontist will be seeing you at three today. Don't forget your piano lesson is this afternoon. So you must play, don't shovel, choose lovely, but hurry. The bus is here, be careful, come back. Did you wash behind your ears? Play outside, don't play rough. Would you just play fair? Be polite, make a friend, don't forget to share. Work it out, wait your turn, never take a dare. Get along, don't make me come down there. Clean your room, fold your clothes, put your stuff away. Make your bed, do it now. Do we have all day? Were you born in a barn? Would you like some hay? Can you even hear a word I say? Get off the phone. Don't sit so close, turn it down. No texting at the table. No more computer time tonight. Your iPod's my iPod if you don't listen up. Where you going and with whom? You're coming home saying thank you, please excuse me, makes you welcome everywhere you run. You'll appreciate my wisdom someday when you're older and you're grown. Can't wait till you have a couple little children. 
You'll thank me for the counsel I gave you so willingly. But right now, I thank you not to roll your eyes at me. Close your mouth when you chew. We'd appreciate. Take a bite, maybe two of the stuff you hate. Use your fork. Do not burp. I'll set you straight. Eat the food I put up on your plate. Get an A. Get the door. Don't get smart with me. Get a grip. Get in here. I'll count two, three. Get a job. Get a life. Get a PhD. Get a ghost. straight and tell the truth for once for heaven's sake and if all your friends jumped off a cliff would you jump too if i've said it once i've said at least a thousand times before that you're too old to act this way it must be your father's dna look at me when i am talking stand up straighter when you walk a place for everything and everything must be in place stop crying or i'll Something real to cry about. Oh! Wash your teeth, wash your face, get your PJs on, get in bed, get a hug, say a prayer with mom. Don't forget, I love you. And tomorrow we will do this all again because the moms are clever. You don't need the reason why. Because, 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 because. I said so, I said so, I said so, I said so. I'm the mom, the mom, the mom, the mom, the mom. Ta da! Please welcome Anita Renfro to Hardy Party Five and a Half podcast. How are you doing, Anita? I'm just doing my own applause. It's exciting. I'm just like, I'm, I'm cluing the audience what they should be doing. Right, right. And, you know, Scott, he's pretty crafty here. He can, like, pipe that in. Like, can't you dub that? Well, I don't need to now. Anita's we don't have to. It. Anita has done it for us. You know, I'm, it's a full service package. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Um, so people ask me all the time, how do you know Anita Renfro? And this is the story I always tell them. You've, you've got to tell me if I'm somehow remembering this very wrong. Um, but you came to speak at our church at Fielder Road. I was on the women's ministry team, and um, I was in charge of the speaker when the speaker got to the church. So I, I get you to the church, and you wanted to do a sound check and some other stuff, and I don't know how to do a sound check, but we did all of those things. And then we end up in the bathroom and you say to me, can you fix the back of my hair? And I'm like that actually I can really help you with. <laughs> uh, I do vaguely remember this, but you know, not to, you know, over inflate the importance of this role. I would have asked a tree standing next to me to fix the back of my hair. Uh, because I can never see the back of my hair. At that, time, at that time, back of my hair was short and spiky. And it if was. You had, if you had a, a, a line where your, your mother's, father's ge- genetics created a very weird parting in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it never bothered me, but it seemed to bother other people. So... Uh, much to my happy surprise, I was in the hands of a professional. You, and boy, you were. You, you were. fixed the back of my hair better than anyone I've ever had to. And I think we were just fast friends from there, from yeah, that time. You, you let somebody up in your scalp line. That's right. I, I feel there's an intimacy there. There is, you know. Definitely. I mean, an well, intimacy am, that apparently you can have with a tree, too, according to you. A tree, if they had been standing there. No, I... <laughs> But, you know, I would say that was the beginning, but I believe we share the same true, like truly warped sense of humor and <laughs> um, general joy in life. You know, like yeah. it doesn't take a lot 
I feel like we're not cynical people. We might be discerning, but we're not hard. Yeah. And I, when you find that in another person, you're like, yes, this, this is my person. <laughs> yes. These are my people. Yes. I so, And I still get told, you remind me of Anita Renfro. I get told that all oh. the time. I'm sorry. It's the highest, it's a high compliment. It's high praise. It's not like being told, oh, you remind me of, you know, Christy Brinkley or, you know, like (laughs) some supermodel. No, no. Or somebody. Yeah. It's like, you're crazy. I know somebody else like you. And I love that. I don't, I definitely want to be crazy. I love it. It's the best. All the best people are. Right. So this is the time that, I mean, I've, I've known you from that time forward, but I don't really know. How many years ago was that? Gosh, when was that, Anita? This, when did you have short spiky hair? Was it Uh, 15 years ago? 2004. I was going to say 2006, 2007. Mm. Okay. Long time. Is that right? Yeah. Is that right? Does that sound right? That sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. So then after that, we just kind of became fast friends and you flew me to Atlanta a few times to do the fam's hair. And I was offset when you filmed the mom song. And I, I love all those things. These are my, these are my personal claims to fame. That was such a crazy night because we were shooting the cover for a devotional book that John and I had written together. I remember that. They came and I was like, this is a night my hair cannot fail. And <laughs> this is a night Rebecca must be here. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah. it was, a, it was a very auspicious night. And, um, you're one of the few people that can recall that when we recorded the mom song that I had to do it four times. Yes. Um, because every time I did it, I kept blowing, thank God, a different line. I didn't blow the same line <laughs> twice. So, but every time I would blow a different line. So in the end, we had clean lines of every line. And you could see it. But we took it. the audience response from the first one because um, we didn't, I didn't exactly know, like, it was funny to me. This is the problem as a comedian. You're like, is it funny to me or is it funny to everybody? I don't know. I, I actually um, sang it over the phone for a very dear friend of mine who's a, a comedian also. And she said to me, Anita... You can never do that song. It's way too fast. No one will ever understand what you're saying. And I remember hanging up the phone and thinking, you know what? I think she's wrong. I think (laughs) people will get it that this is the speed at which mom life goes. And I'm so glad I went with my gut because, you know, we had no idea it was going to be like the thing. Well, yeah, and the brilliant thing is that you probably can't catch every word on the first time. So guess what? I have to listen to it six times, and then I may. Then I sang it. Right. Yes, I have to listen to it a lot, and I mean, I have listened to it a lot. I think at one point I could sing along with you, because I was. And we we love that they play it every Monday on Kids Place Live, which is a Sirius XM Uh channel for kids music or whatever. Yeah, and it's like it's like their Monday morning staple thing that they do, and. I got, you know, I get, still get emails from people that are like, we love the mom song. Yes. Like, it's Absolutely. getting elderly. It's an, it's an adolescent at this point. And it's you have, really- you have so many more songs beyond that. I mean, you have so I many do. more. Funny, it's probably funny not one that's more universal than that. Yeah, so it's it fine. Is. It's like, it's the thing when people will, will be saying like, I'm going to an Anita Renfro concert and like their friend will ask, who's that? And they'll say, you know, the mom song, yep. William Tell mom song. And they go, oh, her. Yes. And I'm, I'm totally okay with that being oh, her, because for a long time, you know, they're, oh, I'm going to a Jim Gaffigan thing. 
Uh, who's he? Oh, Hot Pockets. Oh, him. You All know, right. so every comedian, you know, loves to be known for a bit, right? Yeah. Uh, something they created. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm completely honored if, if people don't know my name and just know the mom song. That's fine. That's great. <laughs> so what, how did you write that? I mean, were you just like, this is a great song for this? And you just... I mean, was well, it a long process? It went through a couple of iterations. I will say I had seen a friend of mine, um, Justin Finelli is a comic from Florida, at a, a comedian gathering, and he had done a real fast song like to Johnny Cash's I've Been Everywhere, except he did uh, I Ate Everywhere, and he did a bunch of fast food restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, that's hilarious because it takes a lot of work to do something that fast. And so that kind of stuck in my brain, like one day I want to do – a stupid mouth trick song like that. Yeah. Um, and then for the mom DVD that you came for that shoot, mm-hmm. I wanted to do like a thing where I went from morning to night in a mom's day and just said all the things the mom said. And in the middle, I'd get stuck repeating six or eight lines over and over again. Cause that's what moms do. You just say right. the same thing over and over cause no one's listening. So <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to do that. And then it popped in my head maybe this is the dumb, stupid, fast song. Maybe this is it. So I tried it to Flight of the Bumblebee, which was <laughs> the fastest classical song I knew. Right. Yeah. So uh, too fast. That didn't really work. And then I, then I was like, what? Is there not a song that kind of reflects how moms attack the day? Mm. And it was the William Tell, you know, you know, we're up and running, right? Right. You can't eat. You can never ease into your day Mm -hmm. with with kids around. So it's like you're charging into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, that one definitely fits. And so it took me, I'm not even kidding. Just a couple of hours (laughs) to make all the lines that I already had for that thing that goes through the mom's day. Yeah. um, Fit in, in rhyme. Right. So I tell people it took me 20 you know, how old I was when I had a kid, uh, like 18 years to live it in two hours to make it rhyme. So, <laughs> That's uh, and then, you know, moms, they get it. Yeah, they just get it. They do. And even if you're a guy and you had a mom, you get it. Cause mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it really did surprise me though. When it took off on YouTube, that was, that was like a, YouTube was kind of in its infancy. It wasn't, what it is today, the right. juggernaut yeah. that it is today. So my kids convinced me to put it up there for Mother's Day weekend, and I was going to take it down. They're like, no, Mom, don't be a loser. That's how people find it. You have to leave it there. And I was like, whatever. So <laughs> I left it, and it kind of languished. I had like 500 hits for Mother's Day weekend. I thought that was amazing. <laughs> I thought that was fabulous. So I didn't really check it much over the summer. It was there the, you know, middle of May for Mother's Day. Then about July, I can't remember who called me and said, do you know how many hits you have on your YouTube thing? And honestly, I had kind of forgotten about it. And I went on there and there were like 450,000. And I couldn't (laughs) believe it. And so from July to Labor Day, it went to a million. And that was back when, like, nothing had a million hits on YouTube. That was... In fact, there's something in a tech journal somewhere. I'll see if I can find the citing um, that said my video was the first one that women ages 30 to 45 shared virally. Wow. Before that, they would share recipes or links to, you know, 
I don't know, yeah. cleaning tips or something. Right. But that was the first entertainment video that women in that age group shared. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, I was a pioneer. Of you were definitely. A trendsetter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I need some you know, Geritol right now. <laughs> so where but, were you in your career at that point? Was this like, I mean, were you already speaking at churches? Were you already speaking on stage? Were you, were, were you already? I was, I was already on tour with women of faith and that was okay. what was really weird about it. I had recorded it, you know, months earlier before wow. it. And so I was on tour with women of faith and, and literally I just did it cause I needed a new piece of product to sell at women of faith. It wasn't like I had this great, you know, drive for, compelling art yeah um so what was funny is over the course of about 12 weeks sliding into the fall I went from seeing no no one mouthing the words or whatever at women of faith to hearing the crowd do I'm the mom the mom the mom At the end, and they would get on there, they would be rising to their feet before I got to the last line, which meant they'd already heard it, Wow! you know? So that was kind of weird to see (laughs) them start to recognize it, you know? And it was in different cities all the time, so it wasn't like I was in that city last week and they somehow learned it, you know, between it. So that was like the first time I was like, oh, this is what it feels like to be the Eagles on Hotel California. That's pretty (laughs) great. So, yeah, I was already on Women of Faith, but that piece definitely, um, it had to be at the end of the set. You can't come back from that, right? Yeah, you right. know, if you do it in the middle of the set, people are standing up. They're like, oh, wait, there's more. We have to sit down. Okay, so, yeah, it, became, it was the closer for several years. Fantastic. But, yeah. So I know about then Anita there forward. I've kind of followed your career and been to whenever you've gotten close to me in the past, I've tried to hop in your um, dressing room at some point to fluff your hair. But tell me about like what what's Anita before that? Like, I don't really know where you grew up or like what kind of jobs did you hold before you were an entertainer? Wow. Well, let's see. Um, I grew up in central Texas, um, about an hour outside of Austin in a really tiny town. And I used to um, sing to cows, which is not on my resume, but there was a pecan bottom where they whacked off some trees, and I used the big round pecan trees as my stage, and I would, the cows, the cows were a wonderful audience. Wow. They did, just, did that pay well? It was, you know, for a four-year-old, yeah. they, they gave milk, so okay. Uh, so, uh, I grew up, you know, in church playing the piano, and mm. then um, went to college, Thought I was going to be a lawyer. Uh, ended up having kids instead. Which then I was a church pianist, and my husband was a pastor. So, um, I was I was always involved in music and creativity and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. you know, when you got three kids under five, yeah. it's like you know. In 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 hindsight, I was working up material, you know, for my comedy life, but I didn't know I was going to have one. Right. So. Um, so gosh, let's see when my kids were about, uh, 13, 10 and eight, let's say, um, I, well, let's see. Well, I'll go, I'll, I'll rewind before that. When I only had one kid, I, I would DJ at a radio station in Jackson, Mississippi morning drive time. Mm. Um, and that was the first time I believe that I ever had to be funny on purpose regularly, <laughs> So I think I was 
developing that muscle. But like I said, when you're a pastor's wife, the funny doesn't exactly do well for your husband's career. <laughs> um, you got to kind of like, you know, zip it a lot. And I found out on, on the radio I didn't have to so yeah. much because pe- my church people aren't listening to a Christian hard rock station anyway. So um, <laughs> anyway, so that was, I think, the first time I was funny on purpose. I sold um, rainbow vacuum cleaners in college because I wanted one. Um because you wanted taught, one, is that what you said? I taught it. I taught Jane Fonda aerobics at the church. What? Oh my gosh! I know you can't tell by the shape of my body now. I can tell you that. Um, let's see what else did I do? I oh, I worked at a glidden paint store. Oh wow! Right, apparently inhaled too many fumes, and <laughs> then I was a stay-at-home mom and church pianist. Yeah, from, and did craft shows occasionally. <laughs> and my mom kept saying. Anita, you know, the gluing the little rosebuds on the topiary, you're, you're really good at it, but I feel that it's just a substitute for something else, some sort of creativity you're supposed to be doing. Right. So I don't know if she was trying to tell me I was bad at crafts or if she really knew what she was talking about. But yeah. so, um, and did it back you have- then? Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, then I would, I would go do women's conferences I would lead the music because I could play the piano and sing mm. so it was much cheaper than hiring two people yeah <laughs> so, yes um I then I would just say funny things between speakers while it was time for music because as you know back in the 80s and early 90s if you went to a women's conference it was a lot of really serious testimony and deep bible teaching followed mm-hmm. by more serious tragic things <laughs> and so I, I genuinely felt like if the audience didn't take a breath emotionally, that they would not be able to receive the next deep, tragic thing that was coming. So, you know, I, I was just commented on whatever was going on, you know, like, hey, you know, we had poppy seeds at lunch. Just look at your neighbor's teeth and tell them, you know, <laughs> only you can prevent a poppy seed disaster or um uh, we're out at a country church. Not everybody can flush at the same time. We have septic limitations. <laughs> you know, things like that. Right. And people be like, oh, you're so funny. Yeah. So and I'd be like, no, I was just trying to keep us from all drowning in sadness. And <laughs> they would say, and this is where I think this is a, a good point to mention that sometimes, you know, God will have people call things out in you that you take for granted that mm. you think of. Just this, this is not, this is how everybody thinks, right? You yeah. know, but I didn't get it. And it took, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say conservatively 20 women's ministry leaders to say to me, Hey, you're really funny. You should do some more funny stuff. Huh. And I was literally like the last person on the train because the faith culture I grew up in didn't really celebrate funny. It was more like a lot of rules and regulations. So I didn't really recognize it, huh. you know, um, so after a while, they would say, this is like a, a long, slow burn over three or four years. They would say, hey, can you come back to our conference next year? Except this time, can you just do the funny stuff? And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm glad I have a long time to think about it. Like I'd have a whole year to think of something. Right. And I really loved hearing people laugh, but I didn't know I could do it sustainably, hmm. maybe. So in 99, I did my first um, video project and honestly I got when I got up there for that taping I didn't know if I was going to be on the stage 15 minutes 
or, you know, if I had enough for a whole hour and it ended up, we taped two hours worth of stuff and I had to edit a bunch of it out because it's not that it was bad. It's just, I had more than I thought I did. You know, I guess when I start talking yeah. like right now, I don't stop. So, <laughs> uh, that was like, wait a minute, that's enough for two shows. If I, if I, you know, can figure out how to do it again and again. So yeah. I had to go back and study comedy to figure out wh- why it was working. Like, I didn't know why I just intuitively knew what was funny to me, but then yeah. I'm like, Oh wait, how do I craft this over and over again? So I found some books in the Christian comedy association and some people who'd done it a lot longer than me who had some really great advice for that. And I was like, okay, wait a minute, maybe I can really do this. Mm-hmm. So it was um, quite the long evolution yeah. from stay at home mom to <laughs> YouTube viral. So um, as you grew up, what comedians and what comedy shows caught your interest as you grew up? Well, as you can imagine, growing up in Central Texas with three reliable stations and <laughs> one PBS that maybe came in and maybe didn't, um, I was I was only. Um, exposed to what was on network television. Yeah. So that would be Red Skelton and Carol Burnett. I'm totally dating myself. Nobody <laughs> nobody knows who those people are. No, I love those but, two. Yeah. Uh, Lu- Lucille Ball, even though she wasn't a stand-up comedian, um, the fact that she had her own show and it was hilarious mm-hmm. was very inspiring. And, um, you know, later on, I guess, I guess I didn't know comedy was a career path. Mm. Until I was in college, maybe, you know, I guess I I lived a very sheltered life. But, um, you know, I think in the beginning, Ellen DeGeneres, for sure, Mm because she was a great observational comic. And, you know, even later, Jerry Seinfeld, because I don't I don't tell stories. I observe life and report. Mm -hmm. And so if you if you stack up a bunch of storytelling I, you know, I call them humorists, not necessarily comedians. Mm. Um, I don't really resonate with that. I only resonate with who else thinks this is weird, you know, <laughs> and that, that's my brand. That's yeah. my lane. Yeah. So, I, you know, early on, I would say also Isaac Earfreight was doing um, Christian sketch comedy. And, um, you know, Mark Lowry, of course, mm. he was the first person I think I saw you know, doing comedy for real that mm-hmm. came from, and the, you know, the best part for me was he's recovering independent fundamental Baptist. <laughs> me too. And I was like, wait, I don't think you're going to hell. So probably I wouldn't either. <laughs> so because um, he was, was with the Gaithers, right? He was with the Gaithers. Yeah. And then he, he cut, like he did his parody songs back in the eighties mm-hmm. in the mid eighties. And I was like, Oh, I love parody too. You know, cause I'm a, I was a big, big weird owl fan. I loved, <laughs> you know, all of his stuff. So, you know, that informed my aesthetic too. But like I said, early on in life, I don't, I didn't have hardly any exposure to stand up comedy, yeah. you know, on I, TV at all. I totally get what you're saying because I feel like I think in that weird wave of in my brain that you think in as far as parodies or rhyming words with songs i'm always thinking like how can that be changed but you have to rhyme with the original word in the song or it doesn't make sense sure. and people sometimes right. i don't know there's something that you were saying that i was like i totally get that that i'm like am i the only one that thinks this is weird or why doesn't everybody actually already recognize how funny this is and why is well, it well this is what i find out and especially i would say since the places that i 
ply my wares or serve are, you know, a lot of church or faith-based places is what I find is that a lot of people do think these thoughts. They just don't know if it's okay to say them Mm -hmm. out loud because we've got such a strict construct of what is edifying or what is good, you know, historically. I don't know that that's always going to be that way, but um, I'm just the one who hangs my toes just two inches over the edge and people are like, <laughs> oh, yes, I thought that too. I just didn't know if I could say that out loud. But now right. that you say it, haha, that's hilarious. Right? right. So I feel like one of my gifts, especially in a conference setting or where there's multiple speakers, is I like to broaden the edges out there um, to create a more spacious playing field for whoever's coming after me. Mm-hmm. So like if women are laughing at something one minute, I feel like then the, the next speaker that takes the stage has a lot of room to work, Yeah, you know? So, yeah. um, that's, you know, of course I do my own comedy nights too. I don't know what happens. Then I guess I'm responsible for bringing the truth, whatever. So, <laughs> Um, that, but I, I love being a part of a team because I feel like I, I'm kind of the point on the plow. I get to break up the ground where people yeah. are just, they come in with their arms folded. And I feel like about 15 minutes in their, their whole demeanor changes mm-hmm. and they're just loose, loose and ready to receive something that they weren't expecting. Yeah. So, yeah, I was speaking with a group of women for a, a little short stint there, and that's what I did. I opened on Friday nights, so that was on a weekend retreat. That was like, come in your PJs, we're going to have some fun, a whole lot of funny and a little bit of Jesus. And then the next day, it was a whole lot of Jesus and a little bit of funny. But that was kind of like, it's a great niche. It's great to be able to just kind of open everybody up and get everybody included. Right, and it's. I think it has, you know, traditionally, I would say, been undervalued Mm -hmm. um but i was talking to a lady the other day she was asking me about you know some advice for her fledgling conference but one of the things i said is however deep you plan to go make sure you go that hard on the other side toward fun Mm. because you can't take people on a journey where they don't have the emotional bandwidth to receive something so like she was, she was all about the deep, deep, deep stuff. You know, I want people to really just press in hard. You know, and I was like, well, make sure you're going that hard on the other side. Yeah, that's um, that's good. So it kind of balances out, but you know, people mm. that people don't, I don't know that they know that that's like a principle that they need to, you know, follow. But people intuitively know that it makes sense. Like, of course, I would want people to be. Um, ready to respond right and i think i think comedy does that it's a great democratizer it levels the playing field it lets us know that we're not that different from each other if we're all laughing about the same stuff so yeah i'm so thankful i get to do it (laughs) so speaking of getting to do it how has the pandemic affected your business like are you have you been i think i saw on your social media you've had a couple things this year right yes just a couple um i did some in branson and um Oh, where else was I? I? I don't know. Yeah. But the first time I got on stage, I hadn't been on stage in a year. Wow. And the first time I got on stage, I didn't know if I was going to cry, laugh, <laughs> break down, give the audience a standing O. I didn't know what was going to happen because I was I was so calm, constipated by the time I got up there. It was just <laughs> anybody's guess what was going to happen. And um, I could feel the rust, right? Because when you're not out all the time the neurons don't fire the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a 
crazy internal dialogue going, you know, like, wait a minute. I know I had five other things that I say about that that are way funnier than whatever I just said, but where are those things? I don't know. (laughs) I wonder if I'm going to get the A laugh at all. You know, like I had had all of this going on in my head. Nobody read it from the outside. You know, they thought it was great. But, um, you know, in their defense, they'd all been locked inside for a year or two, so <laughs> they probably had no discernment of what good was right. at that point. They were just they were happy so to happy be out. To, yeah. Yeah, they're just happy to be out. Happy they to be didn't out. care. I could have read the phone, but they'd be like, that was the most hilarious 30 <laughs> minutes I've ever seen. So things are starting to bounce back now, though? Yeah, I, my fall is very, very full. Thank yay, you, Jesus. If, if everything holds, you know. I've grown to the point now where, like, I don't trust anything. Because <laughs> yeah. we thought in the beginning that I'd be back on the road in three months. Yeah, and right. then the summer passed, and then the fall, everything got kicked to the spring. Then the spring fell apart because we didn't have vaccines yet. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I'm, I'm praying that the fall holds because I'm really poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and your husband, John's your manager, right? Pardon? Is John your manager? Uh, yeah, I, I fault him completely, the oh, okay. whole pandemic and everything. Um, no, he's actually, he, he thinks that's a hilarious thing that anybody says that he manages me. Oh, he's okay. like, <laughs> I, he's like, I, I follow her along and make sure she doesn't get in a lot of trouble. But <laughs> management is a pretty heady. He, he has uh, the bail money just in case. Yeah, he's got yeah. it. He's, he's pretty good he's, at setting up your merch table, if I remember correctly. Yes, he does it. We don't have merch anymore. Everybody has digital everything, oh, so we wow. send him. We send him to a QR code, and best of luck. Um, no, he actually um, he was working at a church for two years, and then the pandemic hit, yeah. and then we were all unemployed. So well. if you want to send me Venmo, <laughs> feel free. I don't. I don't even know what my Venmo is, but. <laughs> Just come drop it off in person. So and I'll bless you with some anointment oil. We, yes. You'll personally perform one of your parodies for us. One of my parodies. Yes. yes in the front yard. <laughs> so awesome. Scott and I have been talking a lot about like the age of TikTok. And I mean, even our kids, I don't know how your kids are a little older than ours, but they, if they are not laughing in about seven seconds from a video, they move they're, on. they're just yeah. moving on. So we were talking to another friend of ours that's a, a comedian with Four Day Weekend here in Fort Worth. It's improv. And he was saying, you know, it is totally different because they're, they're, he's he's used to telling, you know, storytelling, like you were saying a second ago. Even if it's a short story. Even if it's just, a short yeah. story. They don't want the beginning, middle, and the punchline at the end. Have you had to adjust to that or are you seeing much of that? Um, in my demographic, um, females from, you know, 30 to 60, I would say, I don't, I don't notice that much. I think the attention span of the gnat is lower than 30. Um, um, I do feel sorry. I, I feel that the whole grist and grind of comedy is different now Uh um it's not just the attention span or the need for immediate entertainment within three seconds or they you know pass to the next thing um but i think you know we have such an offendable culture Mm -hmm. that the the number of subjects that you can cover without someone being triggered is mm. um about two wow. two subjects maybe but i've always i've always done comedy for my life like i don't 
I don't make fun of society at large or any group, mm-hmm. people groups, you know. So that wasn't all, that wasn't ever an issue for me. But I will say that you can't believe how um, offendable people are in general, or maybe you can. Yeah. But I remember, you know, I used to have to put disclaimers that, like, I'm not making fun of anybody with this issue. And then I would launch into whatever I was going to say anyway. So I would try to cushion it a little bit when I would get, I would say, sensitive feedback from someone. Because I always ask the Lord to help me with that. Like, is this real or is this just this person's problem, right? Mm-hmm. So it it's hard. But one day I got somebody in line. I had done a joke about, do you remember when they had vibrating mascaras with the little... Um, battery in the end of it. No. So, so the joke was, how lazy are we that we can't do the little, you know, swiping yeah. motion ourselves? We have to get a, you know, a battery to do that for us. Like America just can't get any lazier. Right. A lady came up to my autograph line. This was at Women of Faith about ten, ten or twelve years ago, and she said, "I can't believe you said that." My sister-in-law was killed by a lady driving while putting her mascara on. Oh, oh wow. Goodness. And I'm like, man, <laughs> there, there, there really is nothing you can say that someone doesn't have a bad experience with yeah. somewhere. And I was sorry for her, but at the same time, I'm like, I wasn't making fun of people, yeah. you know, killing people with their automobiles. Like, like right. But I'm saying uh, you see comedians now. Um, saying like these are these are mainstream Chris Rock yeah. people. We will never have a show on a college campus again hmm. because kids are so woke. Nobody laughs. Hmm. Everything's wrong with everything you say. Everything's so, so serious. Yes, yeah. it's all serious, and they have cry rooms at colleges now. And mm-hmm. I don't. I will make fun of that. That is the dumbest thing. <laughs> I have ever heard. I mean, are we running preschools now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, um, you know, young adults. I don't understand it. Our country is just jacked. But um, all that to say, uh, what was the question? (laughs) I don't remember. Well, we were talking about the differences in comedy. Oh, yeah. Just just the differences in comedy. Yeah, attention span is the least of it. Uh, You know, I don't. I've never actually cared that much if I was everybody's cup of tea when you're talking about TikTok generation. Mm-hmm. I happen to know I've blown way past the 17 to 25-year-old demographic. Yeah. I, they've got their own people for that. I'm here for their mothers and grandmothers. <laughs> yes. I'm I'm here for those people. Yes. So it's fine if you find something that is you know widely accepted in the general population. But at the same time, it's like I know where my lane is. I'm fine. I, I like my lane. My yeah. lane is great. I love your lane too. I've always loved your lane. Oh, thank I, you. I love following you and getting to see what you're up to and getting to see you when we're close by. And um, but I do want to hit on one little thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Who was your kid's babysitter in Star, Mississippi? Is that am I right? Well, you are so correct. Um, Who yes was when, your kid's babysitter? When we were at Star Baptist Church, we had a beautiful young lady in our youth group. My husband was a youth pastor, and we had a lot of talent in the church. But there was one girl who was very, very, very driven. And and I mean that in the best way, not like, oh, you know, I'll do anything. I'll scratch people's eyes out or whatever. She was driven (laughs) as in in very single-minded and focused about 
going into country music. And her name was Faith Perry when she was in our youth group, and then she grew up and became Faith Hill. So, oh, wow. my, my, uh, when my boys, before they were married, this, believe me, this doesn't fly now, but before they were married, they would tell their friends that Faith Hill had seen them both naked. <laughs> they, were, they were one and three at the time she would come over to our little parsonage and um, babysit them. And she did have to change diapers and help them go to the pot, wipe them when they went to potty. So Aww. technically it's correct. Uh, so they had sweet. seen them naked, but I'm pretty sure at one and three, that doesn't count. I don't but think it counts. Just, their college friends would call me. <laughs> Mr. Renfro, Calvin says Faith Hill has seen him naked. Is that true? <laughs> and Calvin would just be sitting there with his arms folded, just smiling on the other end of the line, just yeah. waiting for me to say yes. Technically, so, it's a yes. Technically, it's a yes. Yeah. It's a yes. It's technically, it's all true, but not at any point where anyone could be proud about it. So. Yes. I remember moving on to later country music. Austin would pick me up at the airport, and, I mean, all we could listen to was Taylor Swift for Oh, listen. The hours. boy was smitten. He was smitten, and oh, he wrote he was, a song about her. I know. I know. I He's think a worship I, I, pastor in Wichita, so let's not bring it up, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any blowback from his current job of leading people into the presence of Jesus through music. So, That's um, right. Yeah, and can I just say, uh, to, as an encouragement to the moms out there, it's not without uh, problems, but at this point, all three of my adult kids are happily married and serving Jesus, so just hang in there. Yeah. Hang in there. He's got kids in the middle of stuff. It will pass, and hopefully they won't make decisions that land them in prison. But yes. otherwise... Stay cool. You're going to make it. Yes. Yeah. That's what I tell them, too. I'm like, put in the hard work when they're still living at home. If you don't want to see them on the six o'clock news in an orange jumpsuit, do the hard right. things early. It'll all work out in the end. That's right. You can always loosen the strings later, but that's you right. can't tighten them up. That's yeah. for sure. That's true. Well, Anita, we thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Listen, delightful podcast guest is the only thing that should be on my resume right now until I get back on the road. But um, I hope I hope it's been enjoyable for your listeners and they it can has. find me all the normal places on the web. Yes. And I'm now living out in the country. So if you're thinking of me, don't think of me on a stage with pretty hair. Think of me out behind a walk behind weeder trying to avoid snakes <laughs> in 91 degrees. That's and a, then you'll be super accurate. That's a lovely thought. I am going to, as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to go look up your schedule. I'm going to find out when you're going to be near me and I'm going to come see you. I, I hope, I hope I have a schedule. <laughs> I, you know, it doesn't start till August, so don't get excited. That's All okay. right. It'll be Thanks soon. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you so much. Love you, girl. Love you. <laughs> Bye-bye. So, Scott, what did you learn from Anita Renfro today? Well, what I learned is... Not really learned, but I was reminded of how funny Anita is. She's hilarious. She's one of the funniest people I know. Right. So that was cool. I also, it was interesting when she talked about how she came from the serious background. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't joke around, you couldn't laugh, you couldn't have fun. Yeah. Because that, you had to be serious about your faith and all that, which we want to be serious about our faith. But it was cool to hear, okay, you have a well-rounded life if you can laugh and cry. Yeah. Instead of just always crying. Yeah. So. I love that. And I look back at the time when I was doing that speaking, and I always wished at that time, I always wished that I was a little more theologically sound at that time in my life, like yeah. I am now. 
or I feel like I'm more theologically sound now. Um, but at the time I always remember thinking, I wish I was more theologically sound so I could be a little more serious. Yeah. But after what she said today, I'm like, no, maybe I was doing exactly what I need to be doing. So that was encouraging to me. You were in the lane you were supposed to be in yeah. to open up the path for right. other people. Other people. So yeah. anyways, she was fantastic. She was amazing. So if you haven't already, like and subscribe to our podcast and go find Anita's. Well, it's not out to August, but go find Anita's schedule. Make sure you go see your show. Tell her you heard about her on Hardy Party of Five and a Half podcast. Hardy Party of Five and a Half, over and out. We'll see you next time. <laughs>